0: some thanks. Let's give some thanks tonight. If we don't have anything to thank God for, then we'll just pray all night. Here we go. For my kids. Say it out loud. Thankful for my kids. Thankful for my kids. Yes. Uh-huh. She's amazed the doctors and her progress. Amen. That's awesome. Praise God, Amen. Yes. I'm grateful that my dad's still here. He's 85 and still kicking. Amen. Thankful for dad still alive and well. Somebody else, what are you thankful for? Oh, I'm scared to say it. Yes. Thankful for our church. I'm, well, amen. Thank you. I am too. Somebody else. Thank you for the provision and faithfulness of God. The provision and faithfulness of God. Somebody say He is faithful. faithful. Amen. The more you serve Him, the more you realize that. OK, he is faithful. Somebody else. Anybody, anybody? Here we go. go. I'm thankful. OK, amen. I'm thankful for you being here tonight. Uh, turn in your Bible to Philippians, the book of Philippians. We're going to conclude our series on the epistle of biblical joy. Now, this is the sixth session. Now, by your remembrance, is there anyone here? We'll take your word for it that you've been here for all six sessions. Wowzers! Give give her a hand right here. God bless her. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, she's going to be so full of joy in 2014, and you'll have to get it by DVD or by our internet or by by the website or whatever. But I tell you what, I have enjoyed this book. Let me just say this before I get started. Uh, I asked Doctor Shibley, who's a theologian uh, uh, extraordinaire. Uh, I ask him this in reference to, uh, there's, there's different types of preaching and ministry, uh, preaching technique or, or types. One is topical. Okay? Like, for example, I could preach a message, and a lot of my messages are topical uh, uh, from the standpoint, you know, you just have a topic and you're preaching on a topic. The other, uh, another one is expositional or expository preaching. Expository preaching is taking a passage of Scripture and preaching the truth of that Scripture expositorily. So, I asked Dr. Shibley, who's a theologian, he said, I said, Dr. Shibley, if you were a pastor today, what percentage on Sunday morning would your preaching be topical as opposed to expository preaching? And without a doubt, he said, "Uh, my Sunday morning preaching would be 100% expository preaching. Uh, and I, I knew it would be high But I didn't think 100% uh, And so it really challenged me And so as we look through Philippians uh, this, is, this was somewhat expository preaching or teaching uh, But it's also topical as well So maybe I'm a blend I don't know if you can say Anybody could blend expository and topical together And come up with a word That's kind of what I do uh, But in, what'd you say? Expositopical, I like it. I'm an expositopical preacher. Uh, because, and in, in reality, when you study scripture, even expositorily, you're gonna find a, a, a theme and a topic. So, so, but, uh, it's the methodology. And so, and uh, to be honest, uh, a topical preacher, a topical message. He gets a topic, and maybe if you if you follow along with me, uh, sometimes I have a topic, and then a keynote verse to kind of launch me into that, uh, and. And, uh, then I go find truth in the Word of God to build around that topic. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but it, it doesn't lend itself to get a good handle on the Word of God in, in, in such, in, in such a, a stronger way. And so I hope that as you've studied Philippians, you've got a pretty good handle on this book. I know I have. Uh, in fact, if you've missed some, go back and, and, and go online and go on iTunes and download or, or listen. And just get these six sessions deep in your spirit. I said all that to say, uh, I'm challenging myself in 2014 to to not be boring, but to be a little more expositional and expository to get to to get us. Get a firm grip on the Word of God. Uh, this last, uh, on Sunday, we did our, our kind of experimental Sunday morning uh, Sunday school. We went through fast track. Kobe did a great job. Uh, and, uh, and, and I was tickled with how it turned out. I mean, we had a great start and a really good finish. Uh, and uh, it's, it was designed to help you uh, get a firm handle on the message and the story of the Bible. We have yet to get all of our 2014 thoughts together, but in my thoughts are we've got to become more biblically literate and biblically stable in our lives to know what the Word of God says about life and how we apply it in our life. And so I want to encourage you. Hey, I, I've, uh, I heard this the other day. Mel, is it Mel? No, no, no. Oh, oh. He, he's an actor. uh I see his face. I can't remember his name. No, not Mel Gibson. I start say him, but that wasn't him. Uh, oh gosh! I'm sorry. Anyway, he reads the he reads the Bible through every year, and I said he just he has just hammered me because. I, I don't know that I've ever read the whole Bible through in a year like that. I've read the whole Bible, but not through in a year. There's a lot of ways to, to get a grip on the Bible. I wanna encourage you to begin planning now to 2014, get a better handle on the Word of God. I'm telling you, uh, what did Jesus say? that When the storms come, those who hear the Word and obey the Word and they build their life on the commandments and the Word of God, they will stand in the storms of life. And let me just say to you, uh, uh Hey, uh, storms, they are brewing. Uh, you just got to read the Bible to know that, but that's the church's finest hour. If we've built our life on the rock. So everybody said, amen. I didn't mean to get off on that so much, but I got excited. And, uh, Hey, I'm the, I'm the teacher. I can guess I can do that if I want. So Philippians, are you in Philippians? If you're in Philippians, say, I'm there pastor. Tonight, what we're going to do, we're going to do some review, uh, and then I'm going to kind of give you a different... I'm going to give you 10 joy-filled truths... From Paul's epistle of joy you see that there and we'll fill that in a moment but we want to review we want to kind of come back and get a firm handle on on what we've talked about these past six weeks so here we go Lord we thank you for the word of God may it bring forth much fruit in our life and everybody said amen Amen. here's the quick review I'm just going to walk through these thoughts the word joy and rejoice appear in Philippians 13 times and that's what we've realized that the theme of this book really is uh, uh, the uh, walking in and abiding in and living in biblical joy. Now, uh, the purpose of the letter was twofold, to kind of address some disunity and as a thanksgiving to them for their generosity in Paul's time of need. But hey, the, the overarching uh, flow and feel is is walking in and, and abiding in that biblical joy. In fact, I kind of gave you this uh, one, two or three weeks ago. Uh, it's kind of broken down like this. The first chapter and a half, maybe the chapter one and chapter two, is dedicated to Paul modeling biblical joy even in the face of his adversity because where was Paul when he wrote Philippians? He was in... He was in prison. Been there four years, according to some. Uh, and so he was still walking in the joy of the Lord. It was not uh, uh, based upon his negative circumstances. And as you walk through Philippians, he's saying, I rejoice, I rejoice. And then he gets in chapter two, he says, and so let's rejoice together. And then he gets to Philippians three. And then he just says, okay, finally, rejoice in the Lord. He's kind of like, I'm modeling it. Hey, let's do it together. Now you do it. You get it? And so, how many of you appreciate somebody modeling the, the characteristics of Christ? You go, oh, man. But then, then he says, okay, it's your turn now. You go for it. I'm doing it. We've done it together. Now, you just got to walk in it. You've got to abide in it. You can't let the circumstances of life knock you off biblical joy. Now, the most famous verse in Philippians uh, concerning joy is Philippians 4.4, 4, where he said, rejoice in the Lord, what? Always and again, I say, what? rejoice. He's hitting this theme. Uh, and so uh, let's embrace it. Now, uh, here's what I said about biblical joy. It's based, uh, based solely upon what Paul and the Philippians, uh, he, what he said to the Philippian church. We can deduct that biblical joy has what? Nothing to do with external circumstances. Your joy is not linked to your external circumstances. If that were the case, one day we'd be happy and joyful, and the next day we'd be sad and sorrowful. Because how many of you know the circumstances of life at best are salt and peppered with sorrow and pains in life and tribulation? Jesus said, uh, hey, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. What does it say? I have overcome the world. So, uh, joy, walking in the joy of the Lord has nothing to do with our external circumstances. Even the Philippian church was suffering some persecution and some, and some, uh, uh, some, some religious persecution in their life and Paul was in prison and so uh, we learn from this overarching letter, uh, this overarching theme that has nothing to do with the external circumstances and I gave you John MacArthur's definition of biblical joy. I love it. It says this, it's the settled conviction that God sovereignly controls the events of life for the believer's good and his glory. Everyone say the settled conviction. You see, until you get settled in some conviction in your life, you'll never walk stable in life. You'll never be stable in the the attributes of Christ, joy being one. Uh, And so when you get a settled conviction that God sovereignly is in control of the events of life for your good, what did Paul tell the Romans in Romans 8? And we know. Not we think, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. How many of you know not all things are good? How many of you know prisons not necessarily good? But hey, what did, what did it work out for Paul? It worked out for good. It worked out for God's glory. For Paul's good and God's glory for the expanding of the kingdom around the world. Uh, And so, that's the settled conviction. And then we talked about the foundation of biblical joy. Biblical joy is built upon the revelation of our eternally fixed position as saints of God. That Philippians And that's found, oh, it's found throughout all Paul's writings. And hey, if you haven't heard me talk about the biggest little word in the New Testament, anybody want to know, anybody not know what the biggest little word in the New Testament is? It's in. Everyone say in. In Christ. It means in a fixed position. And my, hey, when you get fixed, a lot of things get fixed. When you get fixed in Christ... A lot of things get fixed in your life. And joy is a byproduct, if you will, or a natural outcropping of being fixed in Christ. It's the foundation on which we build our life. And when we get fixed in him, I'm in Christ. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Amen. Somebody say in Christ. So that's the real foundation. It's not your circumstances. It's where you have built your life, and you get fixed uh, on Him and in Him. And then we talked about because you remember a second part of this. Le- one of the one of the reasons for this le- letter is to deal with community unity. Uh, there was a little disunity in the community, uh, and so. Paul addresses that, and we, of course, uh, weaved in the theme of joy and called it the joy of community. And I'll say it this way, the vital ingredient of the proliferation of biblical joy throughout the church is community unity. Amen? It's the joy of community. Man, I love the family of God. I love the fellowship of the saints. It produces joy in my heart to be around the saints and the saints of God working together for the common good. In fact, you see that in Paul's writings with the Philippians. He gets all excited about their progress and their, and, and their ministry and how they're operating. And so uh, it's the joy of community. We, we're created as people of community. You realize that? fellowship of the saints. That word fellowship means common union or communion. Everyone say common union. You know, we commune with God, we commune with the Holy Spirit, and we commune with one another. Not necessarily commune, but commune. Uh, There's two different thoughts there. And so, hey, uh, it's the communion of the saints. It's community unity. And when unity is at in, in in danger, let me tell you something, all the attributes and characteristics of the Spirit of God began to go out the window, okay? And so joy uh, is the outcropping again of community unity. Man, it just makes everybody happy. Everybody say amen, Amen. hallelujah. And so, gosh, I I could go off on some different verses there uh, just to kind of validate that. And then we talked about the necessity of guarding the goods, uh, being biblical joy. Uh, And kind of the theme of that lesson was biblical joy must be guarded in order to be kept. If you're going to keep the joy of the Lord, it's got to be guarded. And we realize, what did he say when he went... When he got to, uh, Philippians chapter three, when he's, when he starts talking about, okay, now you gotta rise, you gotta, you gotta step out in this joy quotient yourself. You gotta rejoice in the Lord yourself. Uh, he says, finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And then verse two, beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the mutilation. Uh, he was warning them about evil influences. Which, if allowed to invade their world and invade their life and invade their families and invade the church, uh, would, would, among many other things, rob them of biblical joy. And so, you got to guard the goods. Everyone say you got to guard the goods. Because there's a lot of joy. How many of you know there's a lot of joy thieves? Now, understand this. I'm going to back up. If your joy is not rooted in your external circumstances, nothing can steal your joy. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody say, I got the joy, joy, joy in my soul. Say it just like me. I got the joy, joy, joy. Come on now, y'all. I got that two of you did that. Here we go. You want me to model this for you? I'm going to model it for you, and then you got to do it, okay? I got the joy, joy, joy in my soul. That's me. Here Everybody, I got the joy, joy, joy in my soul. Boy, y'all sounded like you didn't believe that, but uh, aren't you glad you're not the choir tonight? Hallelujah. Okay, and so, hey, we've got to guard the goods. And so, we looked at Philippians 3 and gave you a lot of things you could do in order to guard the goods. Uh, And then, uh, we talked about uh, maintaining biblical joy. Kind of the same thing, but from a different angle. And, uh, we gave you one, two, three, four thoughts about, uh, maintaining biblical joy in your life. And the first one was maintaining healthy community, staying plugged into the local church. Listen, we gotta stay plugged into the family of God. And we've gotta, we've gotta, we gotta model that for others. Hey, let me just challenge you to do something. Next Sunday, somewhere, someway, when you are interacting with people in the in the church, you just say, "Man, Wednesday night was awesome. Man, we just we're learning about joy. It was so great, man. I, w- I wish you'd come. Boy, we just have, hey, just hey, model." a healthy community for the family of God. Uh, you got to maintain healthy community. Number two, uh, got to maintain a healthy prayer life. We saw that in Philippians chapter 3. Uh, he talked about being anxious for nothing. And then, gosh, and throughout Philippians, he prays for them some different things. Uh, and so to, to maintain biblical joy, we've got to uh, maintain a healthy community, a healthy prayer life, a healthy thought life. How many of you know that's important? You know the wrong th- stinking. You know it's the G N G O principle. Anybody know the no the G the G I G O principle? G I G O, garbage in, garbage out. out. You if you if you put garbage in, you are gonna get garbage out. Okay, and if you If you don't deal with stinking thinking because you've let garbage in, all that's going to come out is garbage out. That's just the way it is in life. And so, uh, and we looked in Philippians, the importance of, of a healthy thought life. He said, finally, brethren, uh, chapter uh, four, verse eight, finally, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are, are, are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report. If there is anything, ver- any, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. Listen, we've got to be proactive with our thought, with, with a healthy thought life. You know, when you, when you let things into your brain, how I many of you know gossip? If you listen to gossip, it'll it it'll stick unhealthy things in your brain. You know, I've had people come to me, come and want to gossip to me uh, in the past about uh, somebody in the church, and and he said, "Well, Pastor, you know, did you hear about uh, you know so and so?" And I I said, uh, "I'll say no. Are they okay? Well, and then you know, you know." When you know they... You can tell when it's coming, you know. It's, it's just almost like there's a big warning. Gossip's coming, gossip's coming. And and, and when I hear something negative, I say, no, let's well, stop now. Let's just call him and talk to him about that. Because, you know, I, I know him and I don't think he would be that way. And so, best thing for us to all just have a little, uh, little uh, eating meeting or something. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. They don't want to do that. They just want to tell. And so, hey... Got, you let those things in, they will pollute your brain and rob you of your joy. Are you with me? And so we've got to get a healthy thought life. We talked about that. And then we've got to maintain a healthy discipleship or spiritual growth life. That's found in verse 9 and in other places. But he says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. And so let me just throw this out again. We talked about it even in our intro tonight. Let me just challenge you. To begin developing a strategy for your spiritual growth. Did you hear me? A strategy for growing spiritually, developing a disciplined lifestyle to become like Christ. It does not just happen, you can't stumble into discipline. <laughs> Hello. You've got to have a strategy. You've got, to, and let me just say, don't, don't, don't jump off the cliff of this here and go. Well, every morning I am going to wake up at four. I am going to read for an hour, pray for an hour, and and then listen to CDs. And uh, hey, if you can do that, very cool. But hey, let's just let's start with with consistency and stability and and prayer time and devotional time and reading of the word and studying the word. Let's get a grip on discipleship and maintaining a strong relationship with Christ in 2014. Uh, And guess what? Everybody say. In 2014, we're going to begin the new year as we have the last few years with a Daniel fast, I won't talk about it much, but it's prayer and fasting. Jesus said, "When you pray, when you give, and when you fast." Uh, in Matthew six. So if Jesus, uh, we all think uh, you know prayer is important. Uh, we think giving is important, but fasting and praying is important too. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna step it up a little, and we're gonna provide you some some prayer directives and some helpful hints. In fact, we're putting together a package it uh, uh, to to give you on the first of the year to help you and help us together get a good start on a spiritual discipleship track that will lift us all to another level in twenty fourteen. Somebody say amen. And so we're going to grow in Christ together. And, and so biblical joy must be maintained by, uh, by a healthy community life, a healthy prayer life, a healthy thought life, and a healthy discipleship life. We saw that in Philippians 3 and 4. So that's where we've been for the last five or six weeks. We skipped a week uh, on the, the last of October. So tonight, now here's what I'm going to do. I went back through the whole book. This is almost like review, but I'm just going to give it to you and, and 10 uh, um, just easy to remember uh, joy-filled truths from the book of Philippians, okay, that you can see. And when you look at these, you'll realize, man, these things working in in the body of Christ's life, just produces and just uh, uh, multiplies and, 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 and grows the joy quotient in all of our lives. And here they are. Everyone say, here we go. The first one is this, found in, in Philippians chapter one. In fact, let's go to Philippians one and we'll just kind of walk through the book. The first, the first, the first uh, joy-filled truth from Paul's epistle of joy is what I call the joy of completion. Look in verse six of chapter one. Look what he says. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, let me just say, that verse is power-packed. That verse ought to put joy in your heart when you realize, whoo, oh, and let me back up. That's not That verse cannot be claimed for everybody. In fact, you may be here and not be able to claim that verse. I'm not going to be judgmental here. But unless you're living in Christ, because he's talking about, if you go back to verse 2, grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and, and oh, verse 1, to the saints in Christ Jesus. Now, now, there's saints, but then there's saints in Christ Jesus who are what? Fixed. And so, when you get fixed... There's joy in knowing that he who has begun a good work in you. And let me say, hey, what he starts, he plans on finishing. The only way the, the, the work does not get finished is if we refuse to cooperate. But when we get fixed in Him and we say, "Oh, He who's begun a good work in me, will perform it, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ," and that—that's a reference to the coming of the Lord, meaning He's going to keep working in you. He's not going to quit on you. We can't quit on Him, Amen. And so there's joy in knowing that there's a that there's a finish date, Amen, and. that that links up to a lot of thoughts about eternity eternity and realizing our joy is not based on our external circumstances. But the the settled conviction, and hey, if we get a settled conviction that he who has begun being confident of this very thing, I'm confident. You see, that's power packed. That he who has begun a good work in me will perform it or will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's the joy of completion. Now, let me give you some cross-references. I've got a few. Uh, take a ride and go to 1 Thessalonians. Let me show you 1 Thessalonians 2.19. You go past Timothy, or do, do you not? You don't. You don't go past Timothy. It's 1 Thessalonians uh, 2.19. Look what he says here. Oop, that can't be. Yeah, it's, I'm in second Thessalonians. Pardon me. 1 Thessalonians 2.19 says this. It says, for what is our hope our joy or crown of rejoicing. Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Now, let me break it down for you. What did Philippians say? He has begun a good work in you. will perform it until the day of what? Jesus Christ. You know what Paul's saying here to the Thessalonican church? He said, man, I'm telling you, you're our crown of rejoicing. We're getting all worked up over you because you are in Christ, basically. Uh, and you know what? Uh, you For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Man, he said, we're getting all joy-filled about the fact that you're right there with us. And we're going to one day, this is all be finished. Finished, and we're going to just hey, you're my crown of rejoicing. We're going to be there together. That's pretty cool, right? Amen. So you got to be confident of this very thing. And embrace the joy of completion. That God's working in you. Look at your neighbor and say, God's not finished with you yet. He's not. He's working on you. Some of you, he's hammering hard. Right? Joy-filled truth number one, that's the joy of completion number two and this is woven throughout the book it's the joy of ministry impact you can say it this way the joy of making a difference when you realize something you've done has made a difference in someone's life it just birthed joy all in i'll just tell you a quick story because this is all through philippians yeah, a number of years ago, Pastor Sonny Cananser, uh, he's been here and preached for us, my dear, our dear longtime friends. Uh, his mother passed away, and, uh, uh, a lot of the young people and people who we interacted with came to the funeral, and it was kind of like a family reunion. And one of the not head young people that we were, uh, Pastor Sonny and I worked together as, as, as a team in ministering to the youth, he was one of the hard heads. His name's Jeff Ray, and Jeff Ray came to us afterwards with tears running down his cheeks. He said, I just want to thank you guys because of the influence you made on my life and all the things you've done in my life, and I know as this, and I'm not. Now, this guy's probably 40 years old, 35 years old. He's not a kid, you know, he's grown, he's got kids, and now he's working with kids, what goes around comes around. And he says, the things that you put in my life and the things that happened in my life, you guys made a difference in my life. And I'm going, no man, move I'm telling you, I almost exploded with joy. I made a difference. And you see that throughout all... Paul, man, he, he knows he's made a difference in their life. Let me just see if I can throw a, a few of these verses at you. Philippians 1, 9, you can kind of read between the lines, you see this. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more. In other words, man, you guys are already over off the charts in your love quotient, but I'm just praying you abound more and more. Uh, uh, Philippians two twelve. therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in in my presence only but now much more in my absence man you guys you're loving one another you're obeying the word of god i'm telling you this the joy quotient in paul's life is off the charts with these people it's the joy of ministry impact i have a memory popped in my head of when i was a kid before i was ever married we went to the gatesville boys home and preached the youth choir and i preached i wasn't supposed to preach but the guy uh who was going to preach couldn't be there, so uh, I I preached, and there, this whole room is full of these young boys who have been. You know, we always used to, we live close to Gatesville, man. You be careful with us, and you Gatesville. Uh, I don't know if they still have it there, but I got them preached about fifteen twenty minutes, and gave an altar call, and the Spirit of God came on those kids. And they started weeping and they started giving their lives to Christ and their lives were transformed, changed. Man, as a young preacher boy, I can remember, there's one of them big old wooden pulpits. Uh, I I kneeled down behind the, I hid behind the podium because I was just weeping with joy. I'm thinking, oh, and then I became like Paul the apostle. He said, I'm addicted to this man. I got to get me some of this. I love this stuff, man. There is nothing like God using you to make a difference in somebody's life. It's the joy of ministry impact. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It'll grow on you. Uh, and so it's all throughout the, the book of Philippians where you can see the joy he has in, in their, uh, uh, their getting a hold of what Paul had had uh, shared with him throughout his ministry. And then number three, the third joy-filled truth from Paul's epistle of joy is the joy of faith. Look, look in Philippians chapter uh, 1, verse 25, and he's in this, in this mode of uh, to depart would be better. I would like to stay. I need to go. I'd love to go. I need to stay. Uh, in verse 24, he says, Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and what? Joy of faith. Now, this is a a deep and a wide subject, but let me just say this to you. Our focused and fixed faith in Christ will always produce biblical joy. Let me just say, it's almost, could I say, let's just, let's vote on this. Because I just came to my, if you have faith, wouldn't it stand reasonable, you'd also have joy? I mean, I mean, it's just, come on now. Because if you if you if you're if you got that settled conviction of faith and confidence in Christ the natural outcropping is joy and he said I'm going to continue with you for your progress and your continued joy of faith I'm here to just keep undergirding that faith that's going to that's going to uh, uh 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 explode into joy amen and so it's the joy of faith our faith I believe is the spawning ground for all other virtues and blessings of joy being a primary one. I really do that. As we have faith and confidence in the finished work of Christ. Uh, let me read 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 verse 8. You can slip over there if you're fast. Uh, you might even beat me. 1 Peter 1.8. Uh, uh, Peter says this concerning uh, that, that the joy of faith. He says, Whom having not seen, you love. In other words, I have faith in him enough to love him, but I haven't seen him. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of what? Glory. You see that how they link together? Hey, even though you don't see him, you love him. And even though you don't see him, you believe. Everyone say, yet believing. Yet believing, what happens? Because I believe, I rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's the joy of faith. Conversely, what kind of uh, mindset does doubt and fear put on you? Certainly not joy. Amen. So, it's the joy of faith. Uh, Here we go. Number four. The fourth... Joy-filled truth from Paul's epistle of joy. And I love this. It's the joy of selfless living. The joy of selfless living. How many of you know Paul, when you read his his writings, he lived a selfless life, not a selfish life. Let me just throw it out here by way of, of, of thought. Selfish living never produces biblical joy. Because selfish living is all about the here and now, right? It's all about me, myself, and I. It's all about, uh, in fact, he, he referenced some folks. Let me get back over to Philippians. These, these, uh, uh, these, the mutilation, the, the dogs, the evil workers. He referenced them again, uh, when he, when he gets to the end of Philippians chapter three. He says, let me just tell you about these guys. Their end is their destruction, verse 19, whose God is their belly. In other words, They are selfish. All they think of is themselves, whose God is their belly, and he goes on to say, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. So if you're selfish, you're setting your mind on earthly things, and you're misunderstanding and and, and missing out on, on the real joy of living, and it's called selfless living, when you're not living for yourself. And you see this, oh gosh, really all through this uh, this book. But if you go to Philippians chapter two, uh, verse one through five, uh, he says, fulfill my joy, verse two, by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look out not for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. And then it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How many of you know, selfless living produces joy unspeakable and full of glory. And did you know the Philippians were living a selfless life? They they gave and gave and they gave again. They were not selfish, they were selfless. And so, it's the joy of selfless living we talk about the joy of christmas you know joy to the you know and all the, let me tell you something the real joy of christmas is not found in 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 the res, receiving end it's found on the giving end where you realize it's not about me look tell your neighbor it's not about us it's not about it's not about us it's about others it's the joy of selfless living amen and then number 5 We see it throughout the book of Philippians. The joy of righteous relationships, kingdom connections. I tell you what, I I find no greater joy than in lasting, rich, rewarding, righteous relationships of the saints. I once was young and now I'm older and I have friends who I've walked with for now... 30-something years in the faith. And being with those guys and those, Beverly and I have some friends, lifelong friends, there's nothing more rewarding than realizing, man, these righteous relationships that God has given me They bring me great joy and contentment and satisfaction in life. Look in Philippians chapter one, verse four. What does he say? Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you, with all joy. It's a righteous relationship. You can throw that up there, Ike, if you can. There it comes. Thank you. It's the joy of righteous relationships. Look in uh, verse 25 and 26 of the same chapter. We read it just a moment ago. Uh, being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for all your progress. There's that selfless living again and your joy of faith and that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. I'm telling you, he said, man, uh, we're when it's reunion time. He's talking about, man, when we have family, Family reunion. We're going to have family reunion and it's going to be happy. It's going to be a joyous reunion. These righteous relationships that God gives us Uh, is powerful. Chapter 2, verse 17. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. It's that relationship. Uh, and and uh, hey, we've got to build those kind of relationships uh, and they will produce long-term joy in our life. Number six, it's the joy of future things. How many of you know we have a future and a hope? What's Jeremiah say? God says, I know the thoughts that I, th-. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a what? A future and a hope. And the joy that what you see in Philippians uh, and through the the modeling of Paul the apostle and the teaching of Paul to the Philippians, it's the joy of future things. Philippians three thirteen, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do: forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you something for the church, for the kingdom, kid, for for the in Christ crowd. Hey, I our future is bright. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, our future is bright, my friend. Man, it's the joy of our future things. In fact, Hebrews 12, remember what what it says about Jesus in Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and despised the shame. Now, did you catch that? In other words, there was joy in his future. Did he have to go through the cross? Absolutely. Did he have to go through the torment? Absolutely. But what got him through the cross? How could he have endured had he not known the joy of future things? The joy set before him. Amen. I love it. It's the joy of future things. Number seven. The seventh joy-filled truth from Paul's epistle of joy is the joy of heavenly citizenship. It's kind of linked in with that verse six or that number six. But Philippians 3:20 says, "Hey, we're not like those whose God is their belly. Our citizenship is in heaven." from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. It's the joy of heavenly citizenship. This world, I think I sang it uh, a couple of weeks ago, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me to heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Now, one thing you're going to keep hearing from me, probably for a long time, is what what I. I in fact, I said it uh, Sunday is one of my uh, one of my points is that we have disconnected ourselves in our minds and our hearts from eternity, and we've got to get reconnected to the temporal condition of this world and reconnected to the eternal position we have in Christ in heaven. We've got to change the way we think about where we are right now. This is temporary. Hebrews says about our forefathers of our faith, they confessed that they were strangers and aliens in the world. My citizenship is not in this life. My citizenship is in heaven. That's that's my final home. That's where I really belong. I'm just a foreigner. I'm just a stranger. I'm just a pilgrim passing through. Somebody say amen. And you know what? Let me just challenge you. Let me just challenge you. Somebody bring me some songs that were written in the last three years that are popular in America about heaven. I'll give you $5 if you can find me a good one. They are few and far between. Nobody's singing about heaven anymore. What are we singing about? Bless me, Jesus, this I know for the Bible. I'm just making that up, but how many of you know and my little, my, hey, by the way, my little, uh, if you want to know Pastor Sam's philosophy of, of worship, there's different, there's basically three kind of songs. They fall into three categories. And there are none of them bad. They just belong, uh, we just don't want to stick on one. There's me songs. Listen to some of the words to our worship. It's all about me. Now, that's okay if it lo- if it leads you to the next level, of a we song, it's about us, me and Jesus, and 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 how He's touched me, and and how much I love Him. There, there's nothing wrong. But let me tell you something. You want to get a little pure? It's a He song. Not many He songs. They're hard to find. I used to sing. Beverly and I, we've been singing those He songs, and, and it has nothing to do with me. It's all about Him. And I tell our worship team and our worship leaders. Hey, by the time you get done, it better be a he song. Because we don't want to be talking about me when we need to be talking about he. Amen? And I just got a little off track, but listen. We've got to be talking about where we're heading to. I'm going to meet him in the air. Amen? Find me a heaven song. Find me a modern day heaven worship song. I'll give you $5. And if it's a real good one, I might give you 20 to prove my point. Don't bring me one that just says one little word about heaven. I, you know what I'm talking about. In fact, you may not like the, the sound of old gospel music, but you turn, in, hey, you turn on the hymns. You, hey, get over there to Bill Gaither channel just for a little bit, even if you don't like Bill. And you listen to some heaven songs because they are, they are thick as thieves. Okay? And they will turn you to your rightful place. Our citizenship is in heaven. Amen. Everybody say Amen. It's the joy of heavenly citizenship. Uh, and then number eight, uh the, the eighth joy filled truth from Paul's Epistle of Joy, it's the joy of effectual praying. Philippians 1, 4, he's praying for the Philippians. What does he say? Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy. Man, his prayer life was laced with joy. And how does that happen? Because he's praying in faith. It's the joy of effectual praying. And then he teaches us that art in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's the joy of effectual praying. Let me show you what Jesus said in John 16. Jesus said this in John 16 verse 24 about prayer and joy. He said this, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. It's the joy of effective praying. We just we quoted uh, God's phone number, Jeremiah 33, 3, calling me and I'll answer you. Jesus said up until now, you asked nothing. I've been right here with you. I've been giving you fish and bread. I've been teaching you. You've got all your needs met. Hey, but hey, I'm on my way. I'm leaving here. And, and now, guess what? I'm not gonna be here. You're gonna have to ask. You're gonna have to learn to pray. And if you pray, I will answer And your joy will be full. Everybody smile and go, ha, ha, ha. Look at your neighbor and say, God answers prayer. It's the joy of effectual praying. And then number nine, and oh, I love this one. It's the joy of Christ-centered contentment. The joy of Christ-centered contentment. Philippians 4.11, he says this. Not that I speak in regard to need for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound every, everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me now there's a joy in knowing that uh, hey I, whatever the circumstances of my life Christ in me uh, and 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 Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me it produces a joy on the inside this number nine is direct directly related that definition I gave you earlier, the settled conviction that God sovereignly controls the events of life for the believer's good and his glory. I've got a settled conviction that whether I'm ab- abound or I'm abased, everything's going to be all right and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it brings me great contentment. And that great contentment just continues to make manifest and this joy in my life in knowing that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. It's the joy of being contented. You ever been discontented? Does it give you the warm fuzzy feeling all over? No. Man, I'm just not content. I just, just, you know, I, I get somewhere. I just, you know, I'm just not content. Jesus gives us contentment regardless of the circumstances. And then finally... Number 10, drum roll please. And this is a very cool one to end on. It's the joy of generosity. The joy of generosity. What does the Bible say? It's more blessed to what? Than to? Now, you know what the word blessed means? Blessed are the peacemakers. It means very happy. Blessed, it's more, you're, you're more happy when you give than when you receive it's the blessing of generosity and that's what this whole book is about about the the generosity of the philippians and how paul uh, was so overwhelmed by their generosity and how they gave and gave and gave again and he said men i received it verse 18 of chapter 4 as a sweet smelling aroma an acceptable sacrifice well pleasing to god and oh by the way and my god shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by christ jesus it's the joy of generosity that just spills over into all other areas of our life. Now, if you remember, Paul the Apostle used this church as an illustration of sacrificial joy-filled giving. Let's look at it one more time. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to close. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he references this church and their sacrificial, uh, uh, heartfelt giving. In fact, it says, verse 3, For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us that with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship and the ministering of the saints. And not, and, and then he says, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord, and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you, in as well. Look in verse seven. But as you abound in everything—in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all diligence—and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. He said, abound in the grace of giving. Follow the Philippian church's model. And be a giver. It will produce joy in your life. And if you don't believe it, he gets over to chapter 9 and verse 6. And he says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. Everyone say cheerful giver. Now, I love the Greek. When you get a Greek word that really, you know, some of the Greek words, you get the definition. They mean exactly what they translate them to this word, cheerful. It means hilarious giver. Everybody go, ha, 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 ha. You know, I'm waiting for the day when we pass the offering plate and people just start bust out laughing. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, man. Oh, I got the joy, joy, man. Oh, the joy of giving. The joy of generosity. Amen. I'm learning this. I'm not the best there is. I'm trying to. Ble- the other day, Beverly and I were in a restaurant, and the guy behind me had somebody cornered, and he was witnessing to him up one side, down the other. I'm telling you, he was giving him the gospel gun. It was awesome. I don't. I don't think I heard the other guy talk much. He said, "Man, oh, geez, he, I mean, he is. He's hammering this guy in a really good way." And I said. That guy deserves somebody to buy his lunch. <laughs> so I said, uh, I told the guy, I said, me, you may me. We, we walked out going, man, I just loved it. I didn't miss a lick. He gives seed to the sower. Amen. Try it. You'll like it. Amen. Should I tell him my challenging give? Did I tell my, Stacey, should I tell him this one? I was trying to break this Stingy Guts thing off of me. I, and I, one Sunday, a number of months ago, I said, we need to be, we need to be uh, uh, spontaneous givers. I'm not talking about buying somebody's Starbucks behind you in the, in the drive-thru. We need to fill up somebody's car or something like that and get radical. You remember that? Anybody here remember that? Well, I did that. It, it took me about two weeks before my truck was out of gas. and So I pulled up the gas. I said, this is the day. The next person who pulls up here, I don't care if it's a four-wheel dually who's dead empty and it's going to cost me 150 bucks. I do not care if it's a. It doesn't matter. I don't care if they're rich or poor. I'm buying the, I'm filling the next person's car up with gas. I got all excited then. So I'm looking, and finally here comes a car pulls up. This person gets out to go in to pay, which you know I'm deducing. Okay, this is a cash payment, meaning. You know, maybe Tim, you know, I'm just, it wasn't a bad car. It wasn't a mediocre car, kind of. It wasn't a fancy high end car, but it wasn't a bad car. And I just stopped the lady. She's going, I said, ma'am, I'm just feeling all generous today. Could I fill up your car for you today? She said, she looked at me. I said, I want to pay for your fuel today. Can I fill you up? She, she went, well, yes. And I went, okay. I went over there. I had my little, uh, you know, uh, valero card and man i'm just all excited i'm gonna bless somebody i'm breaking stingy guts off my life and i swiped the card picked up the, the 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 nozzle and about to push regular and she about knocked me over and hit super premium and i'm going i didn't see what i just saw (laughs) <laughs> and so so I'm filling it up and I'm going. I got the joy joy joy. And I had to choose to not be cynical about giving. So you know what I did? After I shook that off, I said I'm doing it again. I'm not quitting. I'm gonna shake, it wasn't for them, it's for me. i am telling you, this is for me. I'm not out trying to be the Mr. Nice guy. I'm trying to get, the, I'm trying to make sure that I don't have a stingy bone in my body. I still got a little. I'm shaking it off. But when I learn to give, when we learn to give, it brings joy in our hearts. Start somewhere. Maybe it is the Starbucks line. You see the little video about the I don't know if he's a crack addict, the the guy who goes around giving away money at Christmas. He's the secret Santa. And here's this crack addict or whatever dope addict. The story is that his wife or something said, You've got to pray. God will show himself to you. He wants to help you. And so, in desperation, he prays. I mean, he's just a dope addict. Messed up, but he prays. And within an hour or so, Secret Santa shows up and starts talking to him, minister to him, and start giving him $100 bills. And every time they'd give him money, he'd just weeping and crying. He said, what's... He's up. I mean... It broke something in his life. And you never know what your generosity does for other people. It may not be just the dollar or the meal or the... It'll be the fact that somebody knows, somebody cares about you or about them. Amen? That brings me great joy. I'm addicted To seeing people smile. Make people happy. Give them a reason for living. Amen. Let's stand together. Lord, help us embrace the joys in this book. Help us to embrace the joy of generosity. Lord, help us to be men and women of joy. Who do not allow the circumstances of life to rob them or to rob us. But Lord, we just reach down deep when things don't go right and we rejoice in the Lord always. Lord, we choose to rejoice, we're challenged to rejoice, we're commanded to rejoice, we're called to rejoice. This is who we are, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, as we finish out this series, Lord, that it would start a great journey of our lives of becoming the most joy-filled people on planet Earth who rejoice in the Lord always. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen.